You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is God Save the Queen. It was a very busy day. I had not checked my text messages, and I looked down, and there was a text from my wife, and it said this, there's a rainbow over Buckingham Palace. And without checking, I texted her back, and I said, the queen is about to die. And she said, no, she's already dead. Now, I don't know what your position is on the queen, but God runs the weather. You say, well, she was just a queen. You're not even British. I lived in England as a kid, and there was something different about that queen. I'll read you a few quotes. She was very careful how she went about it, but she had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and had an impact. It's tricky stuff, and they're all kind of people that throw her under the bus and the, the monarchy and the realm and the commonwealth and all the history of England. You know, England isn't this anymore, but more Jesus got exported out of England than almost anywhere in history. Missionaries sent all over the world. You say, well, but these are fallen people. They're screwed up. Their families are screwed up and, you know, all these things. Well, welcome to the party. That's all there is. Read your Bible. God really has no one else to pick. It's a bunch of fallen people. That's all he's got. But he can pick them up. And he can teach them to walk with him and be different people. I found a a quote by the queen where she said to a woman whose cell phone rang during a formal meeting, you'd better answer that. It could be someone important. I thought that was uh, pretty dry humor from the queen's perspective. A few quotes from her Christmas messages along the way. For me as a Christian, one of the most important of these teachings is contained in the parable of the Good Samaritan when Jesus answers the question, who is my neighbor? It is a timeless story of a victim in a mugging who was ignored by his own countrymen but helped by a foreigner and a despised foreigner at that. The implication drawn by Jesus is clear. Everyone is our neighbor. No matter what race, creed, or color, the need to look after a fellow human being is far more important than any cultural or religious differences. Another address. To many of us, our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ in my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. Another Christmas address. I know just how much I rely on my own faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give my best in all the days bring, and to put my trust in God. Like others of you who draw inspiration from your own faith, I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. 
You say, well, she should have been more vocal. So should you. If you can't out vocal that, keep your mouth shut. She lived something out. Billy Graham would go see her preach in one of her castles in the chapel. This was not just some queen. Now you say, well, why are you making a big deal about this queen? God uses ordinary and extraordinary people. And one person can have such dramatic impact literally on the world. Simple things along the way, the way she conducted herself. Now you say, well, what made her different? I believe what made her different was she had the God of the universe like I have living in me. So let's look at some scripture. First Samuel chapter eight. So where do we get all these kings and queens and all this mess? Actually, it's not a Bible thing. It was going on before, but as I'll read to you here, it's interesting how we get them in the Christian faith in Israel, Judah, in our past. 1 Samuel 8, verse 1, Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. They're not like you. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. We want to be like everybody else. This is where it goes wrong. We want to be like the world. We want what they have. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. It's not you they're turning away. But they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. They turned away from me, now they're turned away from you. Now therefore heed their voice, however you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who shall reign over them. Tell them what's going to happen. So look at this description. So Samuel told the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his own chariots to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. Will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves and give them to his servants. Like, dude, this, well, my wife says dude's not in the Bible, but there it was again. Uh, verse 15, he will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, and your donkeys and put them to his work. For he will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. You want a king, you're going to get a king, but this is what it's going to look like. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. 
So we don't want just you, Samuel. We don't want prophets. We don't want judges. We don't even want God just between us. We want a king. We want some distance. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to a city. And if you keep reading, they got him a king, Saul. And he turned out to be a piece of work, right? Now, Saul, if you go read the story of Saul, he literally, when they went to find him to make him king, was hiding in the equipment. They had to go, where, where is he? And he wasn't easy to hide because he was taller than everybody else. But they got themselves a king. And there's complications that come with that. And if you read any history, you know that there were times where in England, for instance, there were two kings. You say, well, is God against kings? While we're on this, before I forget this, just jump to this. First Timothy chapter 2. Therefore, verse 1, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then what does he say first? For kings and all who are in authority. Why does it not say for presidents? Because this is a new thing. There were not presidents till recent history. So there's always been kings. And what are we supposed to do? You say, well, is that just Christian kings? No, you pray for people in authority. And this is a little bit about this today. There are politicians and people in government that I despise. I don't like their positions. I don't like the way they live. I got no verses for this. What does it say? Pray for them. Right? You say, well, that guy or that guy and she and, you know, these people are evil. Whatever your opinion is about them. Okay, good for you. Pray for them. And why do you pray for them? Look what it says. For kings, all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Those people affect our lives. And people tell me, well, you're, you know, you're too political. If you're praying, you are political. Why are you praying? You're praying that you live quiet and peaceable lives so that we don't have people over us who are nuts and try to kill us for our faith. Right? So it's a thing. You say, well, I don't want to get involved in politics. Then stop praying for politicians. You're involved. If you're living a godly life, you're praying for these people. That'll wind you up there pretty good. All right. Well, I'm not, you know, what do you think? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for that person. Now, you got a problem, not them. Because he said to pray for them. Read this one just while we're here. 1 Samuel chapter 10, 24. So you get Saul as king, he's the first king, then David is crowned king, the whole Bathsheba mess, never have a hot tub on the roof, that's what the Bible says, it just creates all kind of problems, especially if someone lives above you. So Bathsheba ends up married to David, they have a son, the first child dies, Solomon, so David is king, then Solomon is king. But when David dies, look at 1 Samuel 10, 24. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is none like him among all the people? This is about Saul. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. And so where do you hear that? If it's the queen, long live the queen. If it's a king, long live the king. Then jump over to 1 Kings 1, 31. This is when David dies. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, let my Lord King David live forever. As it turns out, he did live forever and he does live forever. You say, well, what do you mean? He's in heaven. Well, how did he get in heaven? He's a man after God's own heart. First Corinthians chapter nine. So one of the things I am intrigued by, some of you may or may not know this, but back in my business life, I, uh, 
was in the precious stone business and sold stuff like that and would come across like 33 carat intense fancy yellow canary diamonds and you know just crazy stuff and if you go read the book of revelation you think wow that's amazing look at that diamond the slabs of heaven are made from this stuff the new jerusalem slabs of diamonds slabs of emerald it's like just so for me in that business, I would look at a beautiful stone and it was like taking a peek into the foundation of heaven and going, yeah, this is something, but it's just God saying, I'm just giving you a, a glimpse. When you get there, streets of gold. But on this side, one of the things I'm intrigued by is kings and queens and their crowns and how impressive that all looks. And, you know, little girls put crowns on and dream of being a princess and all these things. You like crowns? Get you some crowns. There are crowns available. Let me give you a list of some crowns that are available. An imperishable crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, and the crown of life. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Everybody there? Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. The perishable crown back then was this wreath that they would receive for winning a race. It was perishable. It would wither. It would, you know, it didn't last. You're looking for imperishable crowns, things that will last where God himself presents you with rewards and says, look, this is tied to the way you lived. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So he talks here, what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? It's you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. So... A lady here that's sitting here today got saved a week ago, got baptized, and just being a part of that, seeing her life change, for me is a crown of rejoicing, right? Like, oh my gosh, this is the stuff. Seeing people's lives changed. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So what is that one? The crown of righteousness. Where do you get a crown of righteousness? You don't get any of this apart from Jesus. He is our righteousness. But this crown of righteousness, where you are deemed that, it is shown that because you receive a crown that reflects that. And what is it tied to? All those who have loved his appearing. You think, well, you have to get old to be wishing for Jesus to come back. No, you don't. I don't mean this in like a, I do want to live, but I'd like for him to come back today. Do you know how cool it would be if Jesus came back today? Do you know what the downside is? There are actually people in this room, forget outside this room. There are people in this room that I care about and love and if Jesus returns right now, they won't make it. You say, well, you're supposed to be excited about him coming back. Oh, I'm excited, but I don't want to go without them. Who have you got that you don't want him to come back yet because they would miss it? Who came to your mind? Anybody have somebody come to your mind? Raise your hand. And what are you doing about that? And I'm not saying you're not doing something about it. Pray for them, but speak to them. 
You say, but I'm going to alienate them. Hell's going to alienate them a whole lot more. Well, they're going to get upset with me. I'm just a fan of warning people, of speaking the truth in love. Right? So here's how it goes with me. I sit down with someone like that and I say, look, you know, I don't even know where to start. I've prayed for you. I love you. And just even talking about the hypothetical of it, I get messed up. I care what happens to you. And unless something's changed, you have stiff-armed God and told him no. And that's a problem because according to what I know and believe, you're not going to make it. And that bothers me because I want to be with you forever in heaven with him. Why will you not tell him yes? Is there any reason why you would not be willing to say yes to Jesus? You say, well, they're going to get up and walk away. How do you know that? And the people that I sit with and the tears come, I promise you, no one has anyone, if not very few people, weeping over their soul. Who does that? You should be that person weeping over someone's soul. So you say, well, my dad's not a believer. I've had friends, and I've shared this, I know, maybe too many times, but a friend said, my dad lives in Mexico City. He's not a Christian. I'm panicked. If I take you to Mexico City, will you go share the gospel with my father? And I said, yes. He said, why'd you go to Mexico City? Because apparently someone's lost in Mexico City. And he asked me to. Where would you go? What would you do? Where did Jesus go? What did he do? He was willing to come down here and give his life. This thing is going to move you sooner or later. So yes, I'm excited about his return, but I'm not excited about the people that I will leave behind. And God help me do a better job of reaching them. You say you love someone, you don't love them. If you don't speak to them about their soul and their eternity. If you cared, you'd risk everything. James chapter 1 Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And you say, well, what are you going to do with all these crowns? I got more than one hat at the house. I guess I can have more than one crown. I'm interested in all these crowns. Which one are you going to wear today? Oh, I don't know. I've decided. First Peter 1. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in that last time. An inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, the kind of stuff that's going to last. And my dad didn't like it when I used this phrase, but he's in heaven. For Christ's sake, do not store up treasure on this side thinking it's going to accomplish anything. What are you doing? Well, I'm going to die with the most toys. No, you're going to die with the most toys and leave the most toys behind maybe, but you're taking nothing with you. Ship it ahead. Find ways to ship it ahead. Do things that matter on the other side. Invest in things that are kingdom things that will have eternal impact. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. 
the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Serve as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, I can't explain what's going to go down, how this all works. I just want in on it, right? I don't want a participation trophy. I want a trophy that is attached to some choice I made here. Revelation 2.10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He said, well, I don't want to die. Look, I don't know what's going to go down. For all I know, I could be killed for being a Christian. Then I'm in heaven. I wouldn't care. But if you're not killed for being something and you have tribulation, you're being persecuted, you're being tortured, some terrible things happen to you, that doesn't sound like any fun. But what are you supposed to do? Hold on. Why would you hold on? You're going to make heaven, and apparently tied to that's a crown of life. Now go to Revelation 4.10. You say, well, why does any of this really even matter? Gosh, this is a great scene. Where are we going to start here? Verse 6. Let's do verse 6 first. Revelation 4, 6. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in the front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying. So they fly around the throne, and this is what they say. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. These beings flying around declaring, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So then what does that trigger? Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. I don't want to leave today necessarily, but I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if you can throw, if you get all five crowns, can you throw them all down? I think you throw everything you got down and you get down and you fall before him. And what if I had missed this? I say it loud sometimes. I try to say it softly. You don't want to miss, you just don't want to miss this. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. So I kind of thought about it. God saved the queen. Why did they, 
Why did they say God saved the queen? Their anthem includes that, name that. Because he's the only one who can. Any king, any queen. If Queen Elizabeth's in heaven, and I believe she is, it's because God saved the queen through the blood of the lamb like everybody else. And she may have left here and left all the pomp and circumstance and went out under a rainbow, so to speak. But what if you leave all that splendor behind and just pick up some more on the other side? Or what if you leave here with nothing but Jesus and the promise of crowns that he distributes when you get there? People laugh and say, well, you know, if you're just going to sit around and sing for eternity in heaven, like I'd rather be in hell with my buddies. Well, that can be arranged. In fact, you just don't do anything and that's already arranged. It won't be so funny then because you don't want to miss Jesus now or ever. So now there's a king over there. And now what do they say? Long live the king. God saved the king. Jesus is the king of kings. So when they're about to string him up, probably people saying, God saved the king. He didn't save the king so the king could save me and you. And that is the gospel. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.